What's cracking big dogs? Welcome back to the channel. Welcome back to the headquarters. This is BDGE Fantasy Football. My name is Nicholas. Good morning to everyone, except for Bobby Sylvester. Today we're diving bike into our must-own running backs. Last week, we kicked it off with rounds one, two, three. We took one guy from each round according to current ADP, average draft position data for the first second and third round one guy you do not want to leave that round without if you missed the first three y'all should go watch that first if you're leaving round three with a couple thoroughbreds in your running back spots maybe you don't even need to watch this video i will link that in the description make sure you go watch it the following day we did our must own wide receivers rounds one two three so this week's we're gonna go four five six for running backs tomorrow's will be wide receivers it's summertime things are heating up you see i got my old man florida swag but it's not tucked in yet so let's tuck our shirts in Let's stop yelling and let's eat. Before we get started, the Big Dogs Bible dropped last week on August 7th. Very memorable day. The Big Dogs Bible is an overarching strategy, basically the culmination of all the videos, the podcasts, the articles, the tweets, every piece of research and all of the trends that I have seen throughout the entire offseason, because that's how long I've been creating content for the entirety of the offseason. Everything I've seen has been put into a strategy article for y'all, which is available in the draft guide. If y'all have not caught the draft guide yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's literally 10 bucks thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. Let me throw this up on the screen for y'all. If you have not done so, it's August. Now is the time to start prepping. You don't even have to watch my videos. All of my best work is put into this draft guide. Go to monkeyknifefight.com. If you are in an eligible state, you can go to their FAQ section of their website to find out if you are. Deposit 10 bucks using the promo code BDGE. Play a game of $2 on the website. You're going to get the season-long guide, which has the Bible. It's got all of our rankings. It's got our must-draft players. So all of these players that I'm going to talk about in today's video, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, all in there. Our busts are all fade list. Everything y'all need accessible via mobile, phone, tablet, laptop, everything y'all need for 2020 fantasy football. Stop watching my videos. Go cop the draft guide at monkeyknifefight.com. Also, last week, talked about doing a giveaway. My dumb ass is like, all right, we're going to do a giveaway in this video. And then I forgot to fucking talk about what the giveaway was. So we're partnered up with this company, DraftNowFantasy, DraftNowFantasy.com. They provide your league with trophies, with I suck at fantasy football. Fuck, I called this a satchel last week, and I still can't remember what it is now. But the thing you put around your this thing, you know, your loser in your league, wears that shit to the draft. They have a really cool draft board kit. They have a really, really good thorough matted draft board so if you're in a live fantasy football league and you need some gear for your league draftnowfantasy.com has you covered we're going to be giving away five free completely free you ain't going to pay for the draft board you ain't going to pay for the shipping you're paying for nothing we're giving away five of them thanks to draftnowfantasy.com all you got to do is follow my socials right there at nick underscore bdge on twitter at nick urclano on instagram and who is one running back that you will not leave any draft without in 2020 you're in 17 leagues. You're going to own this running back in every one of those 17 leagues. Leave a comment down below. Follow me and you'll be automatically entered into the draftnowfantasy.com giveaway. Let's talk about round four. All right, let's move on to round five. In all seriousness, right, the ADP data is coming from 4for4.com and they compile all of the requisite websites, the CBSs, the ESPNs, the Yahoos, but they also take FFPC data and best ball leagues and stuff like that. So it's giving you the most accurate, relatable ADP per your actual fantasy drafts. And when I look at round four, man, it is ugly. 
The running backs that are going in round four, Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, Devin Singletary, and David Johnson's at 49. So he's technically round five. I don't want any of those running backs. Not at that price. Singletary, fine. He's fun. He's elusive as shit. And he's going to make a lot of highlight plays on the field. And that's what we remember from last year. He's not a guy you want to grab in the fourth round. Not with, not with Zach Moss there. So I'm not going to force the issue. We talked about in last week, my favorite round three running backs, Chris Carson and Melvin Gordon. Now, I don't even know personally if I'm willing to smash that draft button on either of those guys in the third round. It's pretty early given the risks that they both come with, right? Chris Carson coming off the serious hip surgery. We don't know how healthy he's going to be. Is he pushing himself at 80%? Because that's going to give him a very, 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 very high re-injury risk. We've already seen him deal with so many injuries throughout his career that this would just be another fucking notch on the belt here. With Melvin Gordon, we have risks as well, right? I think the upside is real. I think the top five to eight running back fantasy upside is very, very real. But there's a chance that Drew Locke stinks and this offense ends up stinking. I don't think that will be the case. I think their offensive line has been improved and, and the offense will run somewhat smoothly and run through Melvin Gordon. So I like Melvin Gordon, but there are definitely risks there in terms of running back by committee. Is Melvin Gordon actually good anymore at running the ball purely? I don't really know. But if either of those two or a Leonard Fournette, I know how much I hate Leonard Fournette, but if either of those three now fall into the fourth round, those are the guys you're targeting in the fourth round. I do, I do think... I've seen Melvin Gordon go off the board in the third round more often than not, but I see Chris Carson falling to the fourth all the time. And if you're in big dogs league, I see Leonard Fournette falling to the fourth a lot. And that's probably because it's just my audience. You guys just hear me yelling about Leonard Fournette and how much he fucking stinks all the time. But if he drops him to the fourth, I'm definitely willing to pull the trigger because there's literally no one, as much as I don't like him and as much as I don't think he's a good running back, there's no one to challenge him for actual touches there in Jacksonville. So any of those guys would fit my fourth round bill. The other guys actually going into the ADP, I'm not going to force it. I don't want any of them. Fourth round is easily where you smash the wide receiver position. You smash the guys. Actually, I'm not even going to give it away because tomorrow's video will have the wide receivers that you must own in rounds four, five, six. And that's where it gets interesting because that's where we are drafting our wide receivers. The entire strategy of 2020 fantasy drafts is laid out in the Big Dogs Gotta Eat Bible. In the draft guide, make sure you go cop that shit. The draft board giveaway will be selected tomorrow's video. So make sure you stay tuned for tomorrow's video. I'll pick some of the comments and the people that followed me. I also will give away, you know, we'll give away five draft boards, but I'll give away two draft guides as well. Same instructions, follow me, drop a comment on who you're not leaving your draft without this year. Draft guides, draft boards, we're giving away fucking everything draft related, baby. Let's get into round five though. Round five, the running backs going round five that you're choosing from are David Johnson, are Mark Ingram, Jonathan Taylor, and David Montgomery. This is a nice dichotomy here. I think you can make this selection based on what your team looks like up to this point. Because I'm not taking Mark Ingram in the fifth. I'm certainly not taking David Johnson in the fifth. But David Montgomery and Jonathan Taylor are two very, very interesting, I would say polarizing players this year in fantasy. One is a complete ceiling play. One is a complete floor play. I'm going by this ADB data, but more often than not, you see Jonathan Taylor selected at the back end of the third round, the early fourth round. If he's going to go there in drafts, I'm staying away because you're almost guaranteed not to be able to play Jonathan Taylor confidently, maybe like your last flex play for about the first month of the season. However, however, if he's really going to drop to the end of the fifth round, almost the early sixth round, Taylor seems like a good investment, but I'm going to go with David Montgomery here. David Montgomery's floor in terms of volume is about as high as any running back in the NFL not being picked in the first round of fantasy drafts right now. Last year, 242 carries, 25 receptions. So you're looking at nearly 270 touches in his rookie season while he was splitting some work with Mike Davis over the first month of the season. Terry Cohen was still there. Terry Cohen is still there. They don't bring in anyone to compete with David Montgomery in the backfield. 
They've come out, their front office, their execs, their coaches saying that David Montgomery can't handle the featured workload. When you're drafting Montgomery here, you have to know you're going into this with a floor. And that's about it. You're not drafting David Montgomery thinking that you're going to crack the top 10 here. But he is a good piece to have as a floor play if you need another running back to provide that, right? You, you faded running back and you're just looking for points because you have high upside quarterbacks, you got high upside tight ends, you got high upside wide receivers by this point in the draft. David Montgomery sec- secures you 15 touches a game. However, it's it's important to understand there's a difference between touches and valuable touches. Tariq Cohen is still there. So David Montgomery's receiving workload is capped. However, he was a very good receiver in college. And I think that most people need to understand that Tariq Cohen, 40 to 45% of his snaps, he's either out wide or he's in the slot. He is not necessarily a running back that keeps Montgomery off the field. So when we talk about Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery splitting the workload, it's not 50-50 because Tariq Cohen, 50% of the time he's on the field, he's not even in the backfield. So both of them can be running routes at the same time. Does David Montgomery command targets like Tariq Cohen does? No. But is 50 targets within his range of outcomes? Absolutely. And you pile that on to 230 to 250 carries because there is nobody else competing with him for carries. And you're looking at a lot of touches for David Montgomery. The problem comes within the fucking offense. Like this offense is just not one that will dictate a lot of valuable touches for Montgomery, right? We're talking about those inside the five, the goal line carries for David Montgomery. And while he takes the majority of them for the Chicago Bears offense, they're just not going to give him that opportunity often. So what I think we're going to see with Montgomery is 250 carries, but the chance of him exceeding like four, 4.0, 4.1 yards per carry on those is really, 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 really small because the offensive line is terrible. The offense doesn't move the ball that well. And his receiving workload, again, is pretty much capped by Tariq Cohen. So you're going to get a ton of touches, but you're not getting a ton of upside. You're getting a ton of floor play here, which I don't hate at this at this position in the draft. If Montgomery can luck himself into, you know, 40 to 45 receptions, you're going to be looking at a near 300 touchback that's scoring double digit fantasy points for you week in and week out. Just know what you're going into. With Jonathan Taylor, you're going into it with a guy who the floor can fall out at any point during those first four to six weeks, right? He might just, the first game, he might get eight carries and like one or two targets. That might be the case for the first month, the first six weeks of the season. And now no one's fucking debating whether or not Taylor is better than Matt. Our job as people that look at fantasy football is not to debate talent. While it is to a certain extent, people often overestimate talent when it comes to these season-long leagues are one-year sprints, guys. It's one-year sprints trying to figure out what the situation is going to be for that one year. Over the long run, yeah, we love Jonathan Taylor and his talent. He will be the workhorse. He'll probably be a top five pick next year once Marlon Mack is out of the situation, assuming they don't extend him. But right now, we have to see what's the most likely scenario of Jonathan Taylor being in a committee with Marlon Mack, who rushed for over 1,000 yards last year, and Naeem Hines catching a lot of passes out of that backfield. Very, very, very strong chance we never see Taylor's ceiling come to fruition. And if we do, it's going to be at the end of the year, or at least halfway through the season. And by that point, you have to ask yourself, is it worth having a second half borderline RB1, probably mid RB2 picking in the fourth round or the fifth round? So if he's a late fifth round, that gives your team a little bit more flexibility because you're not depending on him to score. If you need to grab him in the fourth, I think he's off limits. That's why I pick David Montgomery here as the must on running back for round five because he gives you a floor that I think at this point in the draft is safe. Now, the cream of this video, the absolute cream of this video is coming right now in round six. If I was the one commenting on my video, trying to win the draft guide or trying to win the draft board, telling you which running back I am not leaving any of my drafts without, it's this guy, round six, DeAndre Swift. Currently going off the board at the back end of the sixth round as running back 27, which is fucking criminal 
for a guy with Swift's upside. Swift is one of the most purely talented running backs we've seen come out in a very long time. Now, he's not on the prospect level of Jonathan Taylor. He's not on the prospect level of the guys like Saquon Barkley, but his talent is, is, is alarmingly close. He just doesn't have that workhorse size that people are enamored with. You gave him 10 pounds, Swift would challenge Jonathan Taylor for the RB1 in this class without a doubt. He was my RB1 pre-draft. He moved back to my RB3 after Jonathan Taylor and CEH landed in prime positions. When I look at DeAndre Swift, I look at that Lions backfield and carry on Johnson, like as much as fantasy players wanted to see him get the featured workload, Matt Patricia was right. And we need to fucking admit that. Matt Patricia was like, I don't want to use him because he's probably going to get hurt. And we're just like, no, just give him 20 touches. Give him 25 touches. And two years in a row, both times Matt Patricia gave it to Karen Johnson to do that, to handle the feature workload, he got hurt. So Matt Patricia proved to be right. We all, as fantasy people, proved to be wrong. You think he's going to make that same mistake twice? No, he's not. That's why they invested in DeAndre Swift, who has been durable, Outside of a small ankle sprain last year, ridiculously explosive. There is nothing in Carryon Johnson's profile, whether it comes to production, speed, burst, explosiveness, pass catching ability, that is superior to DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift makes every attribute of a running back redundant in that Detroit backfield. There's no one that does anything better than he does in that backfield. The way I look at DeAndre Swift, we need to understand we don't need 20 touches a game from DeAndre Swift for him to return monster value in the sixth round. The Lions offense overall is very underrated from a fantasy aspect in basically every aspect of their offense. Matt Stafford coming back gives them a very, very good quarterback, which means more movement down the field, more scoring opportunities. Their offensive line is underrated. And now you have DeAndre Swift, who is Dalvin Cook 2 what kind of role can he have? Looking back at the last two years with Carrion Johnson, who I think we can all agree DeAndre Swift is going to take over his role rather fucking quickly. Carrion Johnson, in the games over the last two years since he's been in the NFL where he did not leave with an injury, he is averaging over 16 touches a game. You give DeAndre Swift 15 touches a game, a guy with an 80th percentile weight adjusted speed score, really good usage in the passing game. And think about Theo Riddick. Theo Riddick's final year in Detroit, which was under Matt Patricia, he averaged 5.8 targets a game and 4.7 receptions per game. So almost six targets and almost five receptions a game for a running back under Matt Patricia. Why can't DeAndre Swift play that role and add in some running back touches, some rushes, some carries, some goal line work? DeAndre Swift could easily have the type of rookie season that Alvin Kamara had in New Orleans. He finished his rookie year, Alvin Kamara did, with 202 touches. That is 12 and a half touches per game, 12 and a half. And he finished the year as the RB3. Now, obviously, that was anchored by 13 touchdowns, and that was anchored by 82 receptions. But I think we're going to see a DeAndre Swift light, or an Alvin Kamara light version of his rookie season with DeAndre Swift this year. We don't need him to be the fucking RB3. We don't need 13 touchdowns. Seven to eight touchdowns and 60 receptions is what I'm looking for out of DeAndre Swift, along with 150, 170 Maybe 200 carries if Carrion Johnson goes down again, which whew, would be a fucking huge surprise to all of us, right? So my point is here. Not every running back needs to be 25-plus touch running back type material for fantasy goodness. That is rarely what we see in the NFL anymore, especially with, with offenses being more spread out, with offenses being more open, with offenses being more flexible with how they use their running backs. And they know DeAndre Swift, given the fact that they drafted him the early, early second round, he was the second running back off the board. He's ready to roll, and they're ready to use him ASAP. And I cannot wait to draft DeAndre Swift, who, if he works his way into that 15-touch role, we're going to see a couple 20-touch games out of him. If DeAndre Swift is getting 20 touches a game in the NFL, or he has a couple 20-touch games in the NFL, he will single-handedly win you that week. We're underestimating the upside 
that DeAndre Swift has based on his talent profile, based on what we saw him do in college, based on the pass catching ability, and based on the fact that everybody else in Detroit's backfield fucking stinks and DeAndre Swift is the complete opposite of whatever fucking stinks is. So draft DeAndre Swift, please do yourself a favor. You're drafting him in the sixth or seventh round where you don't have to depend on him for very early production, but he will dominate. He will be the best RB3 in your fantasy football league by the time he steps on the field. He will be contending for borderline RB1 numbers, probably mid to high-end RB2 numbers for the majority of the year. I'm very, very, very confident in saying that. You want to know who else fucking stinks? You'll have to cop the draft guy for that. We have our all-fade list in there. The absolute do-not-draft players list. Again, monkeyknifefight.com. Use the promo code BDGE when you deposit $10 or more. Play a game of $2, and I'll email you access to the draft guide. It's got everything you literally need. If you're in a state that's not eligible for Monkey Knife Fight, bigdogdraftguide.com. And since we kind of skipped the fourth round, we talked about two players in the fifth round. I'll give you a second player in the sixth round that's going along with Swift. And he is going one pick behind DeAndre Swift. And I talked about this dichotomy, whether you want to go with DeAndre Swift or the guy right behind him at running back 28, pick 68 overall, Kareem Hunt. I'm hearing the same thing from every fantasy person in the industry. Kareem Hunt not only has standalone value, but he also has top five upside if something happens to Nick Chubb. If something happens to Nick Chubb. If Nick Chubb goes down. If Nick Chubb gets hurt. Oh, it's fucking Kareem Hunt's backfield to dominate. Okay. We don't draft players, not in the sixth round, where we are depending on if something happens to the starter. What we need to start normalizing in fantasy is asking not what is this player's upside, but what is this player's upside and what are the chances that that upside comes to fruition? That is the fucking problem with everyone talking about Kareem Hunt right now. A month or two ago when Kareem Hunt was a 7th, 8th, even ninth round pick, fantastic value. Now he's creeping into the 6th. I've seen him go in plenty of 5th round drafts on underdog fantasy. He's getting picked earlier and earlier and I think it's a really bad pick. So when I talk about what are the chances that Kareem Hunt hits that upside, well, what are the chances that Nick Chubb actually gets hurt, right? We all want to fucking pretend like we're doctors on here but we're not putting any context behind the injuries. When you start to ask the real doctors, you go to Sports Injury Predictor, right? Or you ask Dr. Morse. Sports Injury Predictor puts a rating on every player. And they also give you the projected number of games that they think a player will miss for the upcoming season. Nick Chubb's projected number of games missed in 2020 is 0 0.5, two fucking quarters. Again, it's not black and white. He could tear his ACL next week and be out for the year. But we have science based on historical injuries to the player, what projection we can have for him to get hurt. So if you think, oh, if Nick Chubb gets hurt, Kareem Hunt's top five upside is good analysis, you need to check yourself. It's nice to have the backup to Nick Chubb, but Hunt's chance of outright stealing the job from Nick Chubb is probably less than 5%. And the chance that we know now from Sports Injury Predictor of Nick Chubb actually missing significant time is probably around that same 5%. So when we ask what is Kareem ups upside, it doesn't matter when you actually tack on the important question at the end of it and what are the chances that he hits that upside. We're playing against 11 other people in our fantasy league. We need real upside. It's fun to fantasize, but it's more practical to play in the real, to play in the now, to play in the reality. So Kareem Hunt should catch a ton of passes, right? Especially if Jarvis Landry starts on the pup. He's on the active pup, so he's definitely he's not on the real pup yet. And apparently the rehab is going well. Kareem Hunt should catch a ton of passes, but what does this do besides make him like a more glorified James White that you have to draft five rounds earlier? And people love to talk about, oh, Kareem Hunt had more top 25 running back finishes than Nick Chubb over the second half of the year. 
But in what fucking league are you playing in where like a the RB24 for the week pushes the needle? David Montgomery was the RB25 last year in fantasy, half PPR. Montgomery averaged 9.9 fantasy points per game. So if 9.9 fantasy points per game is what you're excited about because Kareem Hunt has so many top 25 finishes, he didn't even have that many. He had four of eight games he was in the top 25. Again, y'all need to check yourself. DeAndre Swift gives you legitimate, legitimate upside of an RB1. Kareem Hunt does not give you that without an injury to Nick Chubb, which we know is not likely. So with Kareem Hunt, I'm not I'm not here to hate on Kareem Hunt. I think he's a fantastic running back. And when he goes elsewhere next year, if he does, he'll be a borderline first round pick. But I need to be hyperbolic when I talk about some of these players so you know what side I stand on when it comes because these are the decisions y'all are going to have to make in your draft. DeAndre Swift, Kareem Hunt are going bike to bike. And you don't want to be taking Kareem Hunt over DeAndre Swift because the upside does not lie with Kareem Hunt. Although you've been told all this fake news about how it does. If Hunt falls to me at value, I'm not fading him, but I'm not jumping up to target him. If he falls to me in the seventh or eighth or ninth round, sure, I'm fine with that. But the more he moves up and the more you're starting to draft him over players like DeAndre Swift, over wide receivers like the DJ Charks, you're doing fantasy wrong this year, and I can promise you that. So I know there. Actually, this is this video was a very negative video. I didn't mean for it to be that way, but I wanted to give you all the big facts. How I'm feeling on these fourth, fifth, sixth round running backs. For the most part, I'm not going to be targeting running backs in these rounds, but. We laid out the episodical narrative that we're going to go round by round. Next Monday's video will be the must-own running backs from round seven, eight, and nine. We might have some Darius Geis, Antonio Gibson chatter in those. Obviously, yesterday, when I'm filming this yesterday, Darius Geis got cut. So y'all want to know how early should we be drafting Antonio Gibson? And I'll probably be answering that question, I'm sure, 17 times on today's live stream Q&A every Saturday at noon Eastern time. I go live on the YouTube channel, but it is only available to Patreon members. Patreon.com slash B-D-G-E, where you'll get access to redraft leagues are open, baby. So if you want to join a big dogs redraft league, paid leagues against other big dogs, myself, Noah, Mike, and everybody in the community, sign up at Patreon.com slash B-D-G-E. Make sure you go cop the draft guide. I promise you it will not let you down. It is something we work very, very hard on, and it's got everything you need for your 2020 fantasy football drafts. Go check out DraftNowFantasy.com, where you get trophies for your leagues, where you get big-ass draft boards, 20 rounds, 16 teams, beautiful, beautiful, beautifully done. DraftNowFantasy.com. It's got a kit with all of this included, so you pay one price, get everybody to throw fucking $4 at the kit, and you will be able to purchase it. Again, drop that comment, hit the thumbs up. If you're on iTunes, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. That is extremely helpful to the brand, to the channel. I love y'all. I'm out, and I'll see you tomorrow. Must own wide receivers rounds four, five, and For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.